previously on the Death Saving Bros podcast. Gublio stands, claps his hands. That's one challenge done. It's traditionally three tasks. You now have a day before the next challenge. Should we just spend this entire episode trying to convince all of the goblins how much of a phony Gublio is? Yes. Maybe you could spend the day trying to figure out how to beat him. Bishmack tells us to do some research, and Protheen goes, all right, what do you know? (laughs) (laughs) Where's the closest goblin to me? I want to look him dead in the face with a blank expression and a glassy stare. Greetings. Tell me more about second challenge. That's something that Penchak is all about. Tell me more about Penchak. (laughs) He's a weirdo. He usually goes over towards the kitchen. Goblins, where's Penchak? They point at the trapdoor. Yeah, when you open it up, there's a goblin that squeals. Tell us everything you know about the next challenge. Please. It'll probably be speed. Speed. What is, uh, is that it? Ublio's speed? See, that that's the thing. He seems to be getting faster. Do you think Gublio knows any magic? I think he does. He's got something that helps. Our plane over here, Jet, obstacles should not be an issue considering he can just run up them. I've never seen somebody do the intelligence, but I'm pretty sure it has to do with the diamond. And the following day, Gublio comes down from his tower. Are you ready? I would like to detect magic. Most of the stuff that he's wearing is magical. I will need two people. Just tell us what the competition is. We're doing both. Well, I'll go. All right, so Gublio takes you on a nice long walk, and he... And go. Stabs you with a dart, and then you go unconscious. Ah! Gublio comes back and says, Jet is ready with his task. Abe, are you ready for yours? Where's Jet? He's waiting for you. Why? You'll see. Welcome to another episode of the Death Saving Bros Podcast. I am your host and Dungeon Master, Paul Camper. With me today, I have Eric Nemeth. Hey, how's it going? Ben Renfro. What's my favorite god card in Yu-Gi-Oh? Slither the sky, dragging these nuts across Paul's face. Matt Smith. What do you tell a Gublio with two black eyes? Nothing you haven't already told him twice before. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Brad Richards. Hey, Paul. What's my favorite Bruce Lee movie? Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, These Nuts Across My Face? Nope. Return of the Dragon, My Nuts Across Your Head. And Brad Renfro. I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, I got one for you. Hey, Paul. What's my favorite God card in Yu-Gi-Oh? <laughs> Blue Eyes, White Dragon, These Nuts Across Paul's well, of Face? Of course not. It's the Winged Dragon. Ming my penis on your throat. <laughs> Blue Eyes White Dragon is not a god card. <laughs> Rookie. Sorry, I don't know. And Crouching I'm just Tiger. Of dragons. Crouching Tiger hidden dragon my nuts across Paul's face isn't a Bruce Lee movie. <laughs> That's definitely not. <laughs> you got the title wrong there, guy. Nice execution. You're doing terrific. Clearly I am an uncultured swine.
Yes. But fucking plum. No, you fucked <laughs> up. I am a knowledgeable dungeon master for our fifth edition actual play Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Mm, that's debatable. Maybe if you didn't uh, have to reference the book so much. What are you knowledgeable about? You're a dungeon master, but we're dragon masters. <laughs> <laughs> Here's how cultured Paul is. He drinks Natty Light because it's cultured. Kit fucking cultured from all the bacteria right. in it. Only the most intelligent individuals. Scholars. <laughs> drinking Natty well, Light. if we're going to start talking about beer choices, I would just like to point out that Matt Smith chooses to drink Keystone because he <laughs> likes it. I mean, the fuck is wrong with as a light beer? Isn't that just warm piss at that point? Exactly, and it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Man, do I love the taste of my own urine? Necessary? Necessary? Is Necessary it... for me to drink my own urine? No, but I do it anyways because it's sterile. And I like the taste. Who remembers what happened last time on the Death Saving Bros podcast? Got it. Patches O'Hulahan does. What's up, Cross Stains? Pepperidge Farm remembers. <laughs> I think you do, because you're such a knowledgeable dungeon master. <laughs> oh, nice try at Flattery, but uh, this is your show right now. Oh, really? Because last time I checked, it said uh, host and dungeon master, Paul Camper. <laughs> and you are my co-hosts. Whoo! Which means it's your show, and we all just support you. All right, fine, I'll give you this one. Fuck you. <laughs> Please, do. So, last time on the Death Saving Bros podcast... None of the characters wanted to go find out more about the challenges. They were just ready to wing it. But we were railroaded. after much uh, persuasion Railroading. from the NPCs, Dungeon Master. including Paul Camper. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Paul Camper. Um, fuck, I forgot the main goblin's name, not Gublio. Uh, Bitchmack? You're right? so knowledgeable. Yeah, Bishmuck. Uh, including Bishmuck, you eventually made your way to the fortress and were trying to find Penchak, who you had heard about before because Penchak apparently kept track of all the skill challenges and was trying to find a pattern so that he could win. At least that's what other people had said. After talking to him, it seemed like he really didn't know a whole lot, but he did give you the inclination that the speed challenge was second. After that, you're like, okay, cool. We're good to go. And Gublio came and found you. Jet said, I'll take the next challenge. They walked out into the swamp, at which point Gublio stabbed him with a poison-tipped dart, rendering Jet unconscious. And then Gublio came back and said that the second and third challenge would happen simultaneously. Abe volunteered, and then come to find that as all the goblins were assembling, it looks like Abe is actually going to be doing the speed challenge. Well, this sucks. I wanted to watch my friends do the challenges, and now I can't watch them both because they're happening at the same time. Nuts. We should reschedule. <laughs> well, we are scheduled to do these challenges right How now. How is Gublio supposed to watch both of them at the same time, though, too? I'm unconscious. Because Gublio needs to be able to watch so that it can be proven that we're better and as strong and quick and as smart as him. But if it's happening in two different locations at the same time, Gublio can't even watch it himself. And isn't this supposed to be like entertainment for the goblins? This is like having the Super Bowl, but having 
both teams play in different fields. <laughs> well, doesn't it just work out so nicely that the track you're about to run is kind of a semicircle around a straight path that all the goblins can walk along so that they can observe what is happening? Yeah, but they're not going to be fast enough to keep up down the track. So, we pick up with Abe at the starting line. You see around you all the goblins that have gathered at the start of this race to see if you are quick enough to beat Gublio's challenge. Gublio leans over to you and says, You have 60 seconds to make it to the end of the race. At the end of the track, you will find a lever that you will need to pull because that is the last step of Jet's intelligence challenge. If you do not get there before time is up, you and Jet will both lose. Is that clear? So do I just run this track? You will find many obstacles and many different paths along the way. It will be your choice and your skill to reach the end of the track in a timely fashion. Many different paths, but how are the goblins supposed to watch them all? We will be watching from an elevated viewpoint. What if I just run straight there? Like, beeline? There is a path that is straight. Cool. But it may not be the best path. I cast Long Strider on Abe. Do you do that quietly? Yes. All right, give me a stealth check. And here's the thing. Here's, here's the big catch here. Is, uh, Brixius does not know Longstrider as a spell. What? So, since oh, geez. I'm still a sorcerer experimenting with magic, I want to give it a try, but with the chance that it will go very, very terribly wrong. <laughs> oh, boy. Hold on a second. Wait, so you can attempt to cast any spell? <laughs> I Probably not. I don't th- I think there is a mechanism to do something like that. Yes! How is how have I never figured this out? I cast fireball. Cast our word kill directly on Gublio. I protest this. Well, being a being a wild surge sorcerer, I feel like well, the one time I casted Prestidigitation with Taylor, and it's something I didn't know how to do when we were messing with the lights, and she's like, just try it this way, and I did it. But I wasn't able to add it to my spell sheet. However, it was a spell that I did not know that Paul let me do because of Taylor. So, I think if there was any chance Brixius would be knowledgeable that there is such spell that can make a person faster, that I should be able to attempt it. However, being my wild surge history, it's kind of just like a chaotic action to even try it. Watch it just turns me to lead. <laughs> You're turning into a frog. Shit! <laughs> you might have to become one very fast frog. <laughs> Prothean, what were you saying about the haste spell? Do you know that already? or? Oh, I know the haste spell. Uh-huh. Well, Prothean, do you know Longstrider before I try this? <laughs> no, I do not. Okay, cool. You want me to use the haste spell? Yes. All right, you can't do that. <laughs> but this is your world, Paul. Anything is possible. I know, but if you had... If you had ever even come across it before, that would be something different. But... Yeah. Is it in the sorcerer's class? 
Um, it on. is not. It is not? Nope, so I can't even... Yeah. I was considering letting you try to kind of figure it out. Like, hey, you want to cast some sort of spell that's going to make him go faster, and maybe you happen to do Long Strider, but no. He said get H-E double fucked. Darn. Well, but Prothean does have haste. Poke your boy up. I cast haste on him. All right, then I'm going to need you to do the stealth check. Can I just walk away at 30 feet away from him? <laughs> yes, you can walk 30 feet away from him, and uh, I'll give you advantage. All right. Pretend you're praying to Torm that I win. Wait, oh, no, I'm not high enough level to do that. At a higher level, I can really call for a favor for Torm to do something for me. Well, you could just do like a performance check then instead of a stealth check if you were pretending to pray to Torm and casting the spell. Can I do a religion check because I do it as a prayer? I cast a spell as a prayer. No, because you are still casting the spell normally. The difference is how you're going to hide the fact that you're casting magic. Because uh, Bishma clearly knows what magic is. A lot of the goblins don't, but some of them do. Alright, I'll do it as a performance check. So I won't walk 30 feet away. Alright. I got a 14. Yes. Alright. And let's see if Gublio notices. Hey, Gublio, what's that over there? I uh, cast message I, to distract Gublio. I point in the opposite direction. You got very lucky. He rolled a 13. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so... You have cast haste on Abe. Go ahead and tell us what haste will do. Alright. Choose a willing creature that you can see within within range. Until the spell ends, the target's speed is doubled. It gains a plus two bonus to AC. It has advantage on dexterity saving throws, and it gains an additional action on each of its turns. This action can only be used can can be used only to take the attack, dash, disengage, hide, use an object. When a spell ends, the target can't move or, or take an action until its next turn. You have one minute. That's great, because uh, this is only 60 seconds long. Ten turns. What about me casting the jump spell, allowing Abe to triple his jump distance? Oh, shit. Do I? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are you going to do that? <laughs> are you going to allow it, is the question. Depending on how you roll, yeah. Hey, Ambionitis. Dude. I'm whispering to my brother where nobody else can hear around me. Unfortunately, you're surrounded by goblins. All right, then I cast message. I whis- I lean over and literally am licking his ear. That's how close I am. <laughs> okay. He's so close, I can almost taste it. Brother, I need you to create a quick distraction from Gublio. As soon as he says quick distraction, I immediately want a finger snap, point in the air, and create a giant firework display above the nearest tree. And I cast jump on Abe. Man, all I'm thinking about is if Jet had all these buffs, he'd get there in like two turns. That is going to be an 18. All right, and um, and did you roll that with advantage? No. You've got advantage. I, gotcha. I didn't know if you wanted to roll Gublia with disadvantage because he was distracted to see, or if you wanted me to roll with advantage. So that's going to be a 21. Ha ha. All right. Again, Gublio only rolled a 13. 
So you successfully cast jump, and it just flat out is going to triple Abe's jumping distance. You touch a creature, the creature's jump distance is triple until the spell ends, which is a duration of one minute. Okay. So you've got another thing helping you for 60 seconds. And the uh, fireworks display that Ambionitis just set off, all the goblins start cheering, and they're shouting, Ooh, ah, ooh, ah. This is the fucking ring of fire. The ring of fire! And off in the distance, you hear somebody going, fucking rooster. That's a fucking chicken. Let me go ahead and... And is just pounding on his chest, yelling random stuff to you. Paul, I'll go ahead and do my due diligence with this and try to roll a d20 to see if I wild surge, and it actually fails. Okay. Uh, that is an 11. Two ones, but not the one roll, so we're good. Too bad That's you didn't probably just good for you. cast fireball directly on me. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so Gublio after seeing the fireworks, says, Goblins and goblinoids, get ready for the final challenges. Abe, take your mark. Let's fucking go. Was that the what? start? And you're off. Yeah, I was going to say, are we doing the Mario right. Kart <laughs> countdown? or Doop, 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 boop. Right, I'm going to cast Expeditious Retreat on myself also as I take off running. <laughs> All right. And uh, Expeditious Retreat, go ahead and remind us how that's going to work. All right. You cast it as a bonus action. And then when you cast the spell and as a bonus action on all your turns for up to 10 minutes, you can take the dash action. So I get two, two regular actions of movement and a bonus action now, right? Due to haste. And then my speed is doubled. Is that right? Yeah, so your speed is doubled. Your jump is tripled. Um, you are going <laughs> to... Should I just, like, start jumping? And, like, not, not are you faster that way? <laughs> um, speed is doubled. You're going to have an extra action to take the attack, dash, disengage, hide, or use an object. Um, and then with Expeditious Retreat, you can take an extra dash action, an extra dash bonus action, right? Or use that as your bonus action. Yes. Okay, so you will be able to... What is your speed? All right, so my speed is now... Well, what's at base? Base is 30. Okay, so that's now 60 per move. 60 per move. And you'll be able to do that for your normal move? then your action, if you dash, and then you'll be able to take a bonus action to dash again with Expeditious Retreat. Then you will be able to use a second action to move another 60 feet. So you'd move a total of 240 feet each turn. Cool. How do the mechanics work with jumping? How do we do it in the past? (laughs) Wasn't it your strength? Yeah, I think it's your strength score. What is that? What is the jumping mechanic? How many feet can you jump? Was it just your base strength score that we used? I know we used it in the episode where we had what's his nuts? Um, Gublio. No, no, the guy who made the retroverse. Chris Locke. Chris Locke. Yeah. Yeah. We used the jump when he was on the episodes, when we were running through the maze. Strength modifier times three or times two. It depends on if you're jumping up or if you're jumping out. 
So if you're jumping out, you can go strength score if you move at least 10 feet before you jump. If you're standing still and then jumping, you can only go half of your strength score. What if you get 200 feet's worth of momentum <laughs> and then jump? <laughs> still counts as 10 feet. Well, that could that could be the explanation why nobody questions the reason he's able to jump. How many feet? What's your strength score? Uh, Nine. Really? <laughs> You're that? Damn. All right. Well, that's I mean, twenty-seven. I don't use strength for anything. So that's twenty-seven feet. Or if you're just doing a high jump, so have that. Half of nine is four point five times. So spike. no, no, no. Long jump with a run, he can go twenty-seven feet. If he is standing still and jumping horizontally, then he can only do half of that. So that's fourteen. So how many feet can I jump just straight up into the air? High jump is uh, a number of feet equal to your strength modifier plus three if you run 10 feet and jump up. If you're standing still and just jumping straight up, then that's, it's half. Man, this would be so much cooler <laughs> if you didn't have negative modifiers and... Dang, so I only have like... You can only jump about six feet straight six up. Feet. How tall is Gooblio? He's seven and a half feet. Damn it. You know what you can do? So can't Mario jump off Gooblio. You can't Mario jump off him. Is that with it tripled? Yes, that's with it tripled. (laughs) You can't Mario jump off him, but if you get kind of a running start from behind and try to jump over his shoulders and do one of those where you put your hands on the back of his shoulders, you can still drag your nuts across the back of his head. Oh, yes. As you jump over his face. Can I do that? So leapfrog. (laughs) You can leapfrog. You can standing leapfrog him, but since he's just a foot taller, your nuts are just going to drag on his face. Hmm, I'll do that on my victory lap. <laughs> okay, so you cast Expedition's Retreat, and then you're taking off? Taking off at 240 feet per six seconds. All right. Also, I would like to flip up my eye patch and call upon the power of my eyeball. Let's see, what was that? We haven't seen this in a little while. So 40 feet per second. So remind us how this works. Remind me what I told you you're allowed to do with it. Alright, so once per every ten days and it's been a fucking eternity since I last used it, uh, I roll a d100 and if the roll is lower than my charisma score, I receive guidance from my patron Alright. On where to go. Out of a 100 you have to roll below what's your charisma score? 20. Oh. Let's do this. 20% chance of victory here. At best. Plus proficiency? No, it's just a straight up D100. Well, real quick, how fast can you run? 240 feet. 40 feet per second, 240 feet per turn. Thanks to your haste. Good on you, Prothean. And he can almost jump over Gublio. (laughs) Thanks to Brixius. (laughs) Imagine if I gave that to me or Ambionitis who have maxed out strength scores. We would be able to do so much more damage with this. We'd be able to jump 60 feet... Well, considering the fact that my movement is already faster than it should be, my movement's 50. So 50 and then leaping? Wait, a straight up jump would be your modifier plus three, so that's eight tripled. You'd be able to jump 24 24 feet feet. straight up. Yeah. And, uh. Welcome to the Space Jam. (laughs) Welcome to the Space Jam. Oh, you can run like a two minute mile right now. A two minute mile? That's really fast. There we go. Maybe now if I roll the. Now if I roll the right dice. That's roughly how fast he's going. It's absurdly fast. <laughs> he's fucking hauling. All right, Abe, what's your roll? 
Uh, well, it was a 68, so... Well, you rolled dice. I guess I don't get shit. So you don't get the telltale purple mist that is like a video game. Hey, which way do I go? But you are zipping along this trail. And as you're running, the trees have formed an alleyway through the swamp. Getting along this trail, you can see that up ahead, the trail will split to your left. There's just a dense wall of vegetation and tree trunks up ahead of you. But I would like you to give me a perception check. Uh-huh. 24. That is great. You notice that there is a fallen tree trunk that is like a ramp up into the canopy, and you're suddenly reminded of your last trip into the forest when you were hunting the boar, and you remember that you can run up some of these fallen tree trunks, and it'll take you to a highway up above the can up above the swamp floor, so that you're running along the highways of the tree canopy. And looking up along this fallen tree trunk, you can see that instead of going to the left like the ground trail, you can see that there are plenty of branches that go straight ahead. Do I know I want to be going straight ahead? Like, did did Gublio give me an idea of like where I'm actually going? I did not explicitly state it, but yes, it is just your destination is directly, we'll say north of where you're currently at. Oh, so it was like a little straight line. So like the left turn is like a detour. That would be your best assumption. Cool. I guess you I'll know, fucking... there might be obstacles to your left. There might be obstacles up ahead of you. All you know is that the shortest distance between two points right now appears to be the canopy. I'm going to try the canopy. All right. You start running up that tree trunk. And now we're going to cut over to Jet. Jet, you wake up and you are in a dimly lit stone basement room. Sex Dungeon. Uh, Gublio, where are you? Uh, uh, wait, where am I? Jet, when you shout into the air around you, Gublio doesn't respond, but you do hear a voice coming from somewhere above you, and you recognize it as Penshack. Gublio's not here. You are going to have to figure out how to get out of the room using your mind. And good luck with that. This is one of the hardest challenges Gublio has ever come up with. Get out of this room using my mind. Your intelligence, dummy. And if you don't get out of here, something bad might happen. Something bad might happen. Besides you losing. <laughs> I just, just shout up to nerd. So looking around this room that you're in, you can see that there is a desk with a single drawer. You can see that there is a work table with all manner of beakers, flasks, and tinkerer's tools. You can see that there is a bookcase, and you can see that there is a door with uh, a handle, like a big giant's, um, it's not a submarine handle. It's not, it's not one of the wheels, but it's one of those that have the two handles on either side, and you have to like use two hands to crank it one way or the other. Okay. If I'm looking up, can I see where the voice was coming from? You cannot see where the voice was coming from, but I do want you to give me a perception check. All right. Twelve. Data boy. 
it's not a very good roll. No, it was not. Um, looking up and around the room, you can also see that there is a series of tiles over the desk with the one drawer, four in total, with a series of letters. The first tile has E-L. Oh, Jesus. Hold on. Are you ready? Go ahead. The second tile has OS. The third tile has H. And the fourth tile has ER. Okay. You can also tell with a 12 perception that there does not seem to be a keyhole or any sort of unlocking mechanism on your side of the door. God, I wasn't prepared for an escape room today. And as you're looking around and absorbing all this information, Penchak says, You have only ten tries to get out of the room. Basically, you're going to have ten turns, approximately the same amount of time. Well, not the same amount of time, but you're going to have ten turns to try and solve your way out of this room. Okay. And Penchak says, If you don't have the final clue solved before your friend gets here, You'll be locked in forever. I'm coming in hot. <laughs> oh, that sounds exciting. Um, so, you get your first turn. Okay. Are the tiles able to be rearranged? Yes, they are. I'm going to have them spell Helleros. Very well done. When you <laughs> place them in the order <laughs> H-E-L-E-R-O-S, you hear a click and... Above you, a slot opens up, and there is a circular oculus. And you can see that there is a glass case suspended in this space above you. There's a glass case suspended in the space above me? Yes, so this circular opening, think of it as like a skylight, Oh. opens up, and now you can see that there is a space above you, and there's just a glass case suspended there. Hmm. It is high above you, approximately 70 feet in the air. Oh, yeah, no, okay, okay, I can't reach it. Is there a shadow? The whole place is in shadow, um, but there's no area to grab onto. You don't see any ledge or lip that you could grab onto. Okay, um, is there anything in the, uh, you said there's a desk with a drawer? Yes, there is a single desk with a drawer. There is a tinkerer's table, or a work table with flasks, beakers, tinkerer's tools, there is a bookcase, and then the door. If I'm picturing this room right, there's a very, very easy way Jet can go about this. However, I don't want to cheat. <laughs> I'm not in the room to tell you how to do it. Well, Jet, you go ahead and think about what you want to do next, and uh, we're going to go back to Abe. Abe, you have just decided that you're going to take the ramp up into the canopy. Now, when you reach the canopy, you can see that there are two different branches that immediately come to you. You can either take the left fork or the right fork. Both go in approximately the same direction, but the right fork is a slightly longer, more weaving set of branches through the trees. But ahead of you, on the more direct branch, you can see a large nest. Hmm. Like how large? As large as Gublio. Or the half-orc brothers. 
like in diameter? Yeah, so it's like seven feet across. Hmm. And uh, four feet high. I am going to go to the left. And when I get to the nest, I'm assuming the branch just goes like straight through the nest, basically. The nest or is like 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 the path. The nest is placed on the branch, but you could easily, especially with all the buffs that you have, you could easily jump right over it without stopping. Yeah, that was the plan. Okay. When you hurdle it, you realize that there are a bunch of baby birds in there, but not like teeny tiny little cute baby birds. These are birds as large as the goblins on the swamp floor, and they try to bite you. You are a delicious looking snack, and they're gonna try and drag you down into the nest. I need you to make a dexterity saving throw. And don't forget, you have advantage. <laughs> Thanks to the haste. But they can snap at me while I'm flying like six feet above their heads? Yes. They're... They got mad hops, and they're hungry. Did they have jump cast on them also? Yes. <laughs> okay. First roll is gonna be a 24. You want me to see if I get a natural 20? <laughs> no, I think the 24 is going to do it. Uh, you apparently just jumped so high over them that not even their little springy legs could get up and grab you. You roll out of the way and you land cleanly on the branch and you keep on going. Were they cute? In an ugly sort of way. I want to go, ah, uh, and then just keep running. <laughs> Jet. What would you like to do next in the room? So, okay. Is, it, is, it, is there anything in the glass beakers? Yes, there are a bunch of fluids of various colors. Hmm. Okay. And can I open up the desk? Yes, you can open up the drawer. Okay. Inside the drawer, you find a small medallion that has the Trugalan symbol on it which is a crown with a flame, I believe. Or, yeah, I can't remember what I dictated it was, but it's a crown with a flame on it. Okay. And then there's also a sheaf of papers with a bunch of different calculations and it seems like recipes and such. Do the recipes have anything to do with like the colors of the beakers? Give me an investigation check. Oh, guess that was my question roll. Certainly can't do much worse than last time. Well, investigation uses intelligence. I rolled a 12, and with my intelligence being a minus 2, that's a 10. Yes, there are recipes to use the beakers on the table, but it would take you another turn to figure out exactly what those recipes do. Well, I guess I'm going to have to be taking another turn. All right, so we will go ahead and mark you off for next turn as well. You realize that the recipes in front of you are recipes for explosives and that you have all the materials that you would need to create an explosive, but just one explosive. I see. Okay. So there's the table with the explosive mix. There's the desk that I just opened, the door and the bookcase. That's correct. And while you contemplate your next move... We're going to go to Abe. Abe, you have just dodged a swamp hawk nest, and you continue running along the branch in front of you. I was running. You can see down to your left that there is a canal 
in the ground and it appears to be where the trail would have led you if you had taken the left fork on the ground. And from your vantage point up high, you can actually see that there was a family of bullywugs that were lying in wait to try and ambush you. To your right, you can see that if you had taken the right fork in the canopy, you would have come to an area where the branches stop and you would have had to take some vines to swing across. Up ahead of you, you can see that there is a clearing and all the branches seem to stop and you don't see a fallen tree to get back down to the ground. Mm. You're coming up quick on the edge of this clearing with no clear way down to the ground or forward. What would you like to do? Hmm, how high up am I? 300 feet in the air. Oh, that's that's an easy drop. Um, yeah, and I know that uh, when we were doing the boar hunt, you were able to affect things on the ground more easily as if you were only like 100 feet in the air. But we're just going to... <laughs> it was more of a skill challenge there. Here you are 300 feet up in the air. All right. Those those vines in the other path, do they reach all the way down to the ground or like close? They do not. Hmm. How about the, the trees I'm in? Do the branches like... Are the branches like lower on the trunk? There are other branches on the way down. Where I could just kind of like hop my way down, like drop from one to one. Or just cut a vine off and then tie it to the end of the other vine. There are some vines around you, um, and you could theoretically drop from branch to branch down to the clearing. Hmm. But like I could see like a path that would let me do that. Uh, with a per- uh, successful perception check, yes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to perceive. I would also allow you to do a survival check. Uh, Those of you that are moving along this uh, observation trail that is elevated so that you can see what's going on, Gublio has this giant grin on his face, and he just is muttering to himself, he'll never get this one. Ambionitis, Brixius, and Prothean. This jump would take the damage, and my magical... Wow, Warbear just comes running up, just tackles him, takes him down to the ground. <laughs> Bishmuck is there with his buddies, and he's biting his nails, and he's like, Come on, remember, remember, remember. Remember? Hey, what is it you're trying to do again? Let's see, what what cool shit do I have? Can can you refresh me real quick? What what <laughs> what you're trying to accomplish right now, Abe? Jump. Or get down into the clearing, I guess? Get down! Down! So there's a 300-foot kind of drop, and you're just trying to get down? Yeah. Just jump it. You can do it. You'll be fine. The clearing is approximately 300 feet across. You'll be fine. Do you have, like, a 300-foot rope in your backpack? I don't think so. Or a feather fall spell or something? Dosh did, but well, Abe doesn't. If I hear Bishmuck keep saying remember, can I nudge him and say remember what? Uh, If Matt takes off his headphones... Headphones are off. Bishmuck turns to you and goes, Oh, wait, I know it. He doesn't even have to tell me. Oh, really? There's invisible branches and vines you can walk across from trees to trees. So I cast message to Abe and say, How far does message go? Fucking far enough to make this work. (laughs) How far does message go? I don't know. I'm looking it up real quick. It's on my sheet. 120 feet. All right. Here's what I'll let you do. 
because this would be very interesting to see. Earlier, you wanted to try and cast a spell that you did not know. <laughs> In this case, you're trying to make a spell that you know do something above and beyond what it can accomplish. Correct. So, I would like you to roll a d100, and if you roll lower than your spellcasting score, so that's charisma, right? So, if I roll lower than a 16... If you roll lower than a 16, it will succeed, without anybody knowing anything the wiser. Makes sense to me. If you roll higher than that, we'll have some ill effects happen. Yep. Perfect. Then take it. Can I put my headphones back in, or...? Oh yeah, you're good. Okay. Hey, Paul. Can I use my spell Fine Steed to turn my warbear into a giant eagle or a griffin? Um, yeah, I don't see why not. You would have to dismiss it first, then recast it. I know, casting time is 10 minutes. Fuck, that's not gonna work. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I was actually kind of excited by that, honestly. You just wanna get rid of the casting time and let me do it? And uh, no. <laughs> Pull Gandalf and just fuck it, use the eagles. <laughs> well, this is where it's gonna get really interesting. So, currently, I only have one of my sets of dice out, so I rolled for the 10's place first, and I did roll a 1. So, this next roll has to be below a 6 for this to work. And it's a 0, so I rolled a 10. So you rolled a 20. Fuck you. No. Hmm. No. N never mind. I, I'm switching the places. I rolled a 10 first, and then I rolled a 1 after that, so 11. Ha-ha. Or, hold on. Yeah, it makes more sense to roll the 10's spot first anyways. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if the 10, if the 0 is the 10, or if it's a zero in a D100. Yeah, I guess, how would you... Yeah, okay, so the zero is a ten, because if you rolled a zero and a zero, then in the ones column, it would be a zero and then one through ten, because you can't roll a zero on a D100, it has to be one through a hundred. So you rolled a twenty. Unless I switch which place I was rolling for first, and then I rolled a ten and then a one. Eh, no. You already said that one was the tens, and then the second one was the ones. Can I use my inspiration? Yeah, you could use your inspiration for this. Sweet. Alright, well I rolled a zero to start, so... <laughs> so then you automatically would succeed. So, that would be a ten though, right? Or is that... Unless so, it's the first one, because... No, so if you're rolling the one or the tens column, the zero counts as a zero. Haha, so I automatically succeed, bitches. <laughs> You manage to throw everything that you have into this power, and you are able to send this message careening towards Abe, and you have only, because you're putting so much effort into this, you have to tell him your message in only five words. Uh, Abe. Fuck. <laughs> Shit. That's two. That's three. That's three. <laughs> Invisible Invisible tree. branches. Oh, shit. And then I fall, gasping for air, and I think to myself, damn, so far today I've casted a spell that I didn't know existed, and I just defied the laws of this spell as well. I might be a very, very powerful sorcerer after all. Does that mean I get five words in response? He does have a chance to respond. Sure. Oh, shit. That is right. <laughs>
just to interrupt this episode real quick, Music D20 is a project from composer Will Savino, who is putting together a curated list of original tabletop tracks that would be perfect for your next campaign. All the music in this episode of the Death Saving Bros podcast is courtesy of Will. For just $2 a month, you'll get access to the full tracks, while higher tiers get you previews of upcoming music and even input for what Will writes next. All of it is available at patreon.com slash musicd20. Again, that's patreon.com slash musicd20. Don't forget that you can also support us by telling your friends and family about the podcast. Word of mouth is the best way to get the news out there, and then repping some Death Saving Bros swag will help you sell the pitch. Shirts, hoodies, notebooks, and more are available on redbubble.com. Just search Death Saving Bros. Without further ado, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Uh, real quick, though, <laughs> Ben, you said that you cast a spell you didn't know? Yeah, jump. <laughs> <laughs> and now since you let me do it once, it's canon. I can cast any sorcerer spell on the list. Nope. Yeah, since I already jumped over that. <laughs> that uh, never happened. Well, I already jumped over that nest, so do I just have inhuman, ungodly jumping prowess <laughs> in this case you were just very agile and you were tiptoeing around these birds what you let me do it you can't just take it back now what a fucking cheater <laughs> well i didn't realize that you were duping me he wasn't duping i told you. you with the first spell i was trying to cast that i was duping you and you were gonna let me do it but then you're like oh it's not a sorcerer spell it's not on the sorcerer spell list well this was on the sorcerer spell list well you didn't so. say that I would have come up with a whole different set of rules to let you do it. All right, give me the rules now. No, it didn't happen. What else do I gotta roll? Because I rolled a 20-something. Don't worry, he'll be fine without the jump. For the viewers at home, I did in fact jump 27 feet over this uh, this bird's nest. Although if you want to send message to give me your idea here for this room, it might be appreciated. Well, I can't. Well, while while I'm on this intense message thing, you know, pushing it past boundaries, can I can I locate Jet somewhere in my mind as well? No. <laughs> Not without shitting your pants. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Abe, you got Brixius's message. You do remember that when you were in the canopy with the goblins hunting the boar, that they did tell you that some of the trees grow invisible. Didn't they, like, glimmer or, like, give some sort of... Like, you could kind of see where they would be? Right. As long as you knew what you were looking for, you could find them with a perception check. All right. I'm going to look real hard. Good. <laughs> Good. All right. Roll. I roll... So I, I rolled when I was looking for a path down. You would just want me to, like, roll again? That's up to you. I'll let you take either one. I mean, it was a 22, so I'd like to keep it. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you do notice that there is a slight heat wave shimmer in the air. 
and you can now that you're looking for it, you can tell that this clearing is actually just a giant tree. Oh, fuck it. Running that way. And as you make that leap of faith out into open air, your feet land on solid footing, and suddenly you're emboldened, and you keep running forward following the glimmer of heat. And off to your right, you can just hear Gublio go, Fuck! I want to flip him the bird. <laughs> it's really Paul on his end. <laughs> Imagine him just saying, Yeah, fuck it, you missed the tree. <laughs> Give us all this just false fall. hope. <laughs> just fall have... 300 feet and shatter my... <laughs> set my feet up into my shoulders. <laughs> when, Gublio, when Gublio yells fuck, I'd like to look at him and also flip him the bird with both of my hands and my mage hand lifting from my from my crotchal region to flip him three birds. You do that, and all of, a, all of a sudden, all the goblins are just shouting and cheering, and they're yelling, T-Flane, T-Flane, T-Flane. <laughs> Can I try to get a fuck Gublio chant going? Yes. Um, sure, go ahead. I will allow it. <laughs> all right. Do, do I need to roll something, or do you want me to just, just do it? Go ahead and just yell it. Do the chant. Hey, what's the what's the rhythm you want to do on this one? Yeah, this is, <laughs> it's a odd amount of syllables here. <laughs> That's when you just look at him and do the fuck you. Oh yeah. Ambi and I just gets a good start. We're doing the fuck you, fuck you. We're just kind of waving our hands back and forth, all gesturing like we just keep pointing the Gublio. All right, you do that. And the goblins, some of the goblins do start the motion with the arm, but they don't quite hear right. And instead of, fuck you, they're going, So, I just got entire goblin camp to make fucking rooster noises. Look at at all those chickens. (laughs) (laughs) Jet, you are up. You are on your fourth turn. Well... So you said that the door looks like I need two people for it? No, Penchak said that the last lever will require two people. One person on the inside and one person on the outside. Did they even check where the door is locked? Yeah, that's the real <laughs> test of intelligence. <laughs> Just try to open it real quick, Jet. <laughs> Can I make the explosive first and then just try to open it? Um, Sure. If I only get one explosive to make, I'd just like to go ahead and make it. I will need an arcana check from you in order to successfully implement the recipe. Oh, that'll be, that's interesting. The magic bomb? Well, I rolled a 16, and arcana uses intelligence, so minus two is 14. 14 is the pass. Yes. ba 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 You have successfully made this explosive, though you don't know for sure you're pretty certain that you made it according to the directions but you wouldn't have known if you had gotten it wrong so now you have this mixture i have my one explosive to my knowledge and you go over and you try to open this door Uh uh-huh and it does not budge the lever is solid Is is there a lock there is no locking mechanism on your side of the door well i guess i'm gonna go what kind of books are in this bookcase well we'll figure that out next time Abe, you have successfully started your run across this open clearing. I guess I'm going to continue. But as you're running out into the open, you notice that there are swamp hawks, adult swamp hawks, flying, circling above you. 
And once they see that you are out in the quote-unquote apparent open, they have just decided that you would make a wonderful meal for their babies. And they dive bomb you. I need you to give me a dexterity saving throw. Can they catch me running 30 miles an hour? They're very large. They're very fast. Yeah, but 30 miles an hour. And you'll need to make a dexterity saving throw. Paul, I don't know if he knows, but 30 is fucking hauling ass. It's just under 28 miles an hour. That's still moving at a good clip. Oh, yeah. That's about what 40 feet per second is. All right. Natural 20. If you want to take one of these things out of the air while you're running past them, be my guest. All right. How should I do it? Mm. Just ride one the rest of the way. Thunder punts it. Mm. I want to, in a very dexterous way, get on that thing's back and control it. Just ride straight to where I need to go. And crash the bird through the locked door. (laughs) I guess as it's swooping down at me, I would like to hold out my hand. And once it gets close, I would like to summon a pike straight into its face and then just keep running. Okay. You have successfully made it across this clearing, easily avoiding these swamp hawks. I mean, their babies were nothing. The adults are even less. You know, nothing's stopping you now. It's kind of hard to run with my uh, penis this erect, though. But... He's flipping Gooblio, that fourth bird. Jet, you said you would like to inspect the bookcase. I suppose. All right, give me a perception check. Looks like I got to roll higher than a 16. Well, are you are you looking at the bookcase or are you trying to find something in the books? Well, I would assume, like, I would, looking at the bookcase, if I like, see, like, a name of a book that would look into, like, are the books named? Or is like, yeah, is there, are there things in the book? Is the is there, like, a door behind the bookcase? Okay, so then a perception check in that case. Okay. You find Gublio's diary. Has all his embarrassing secrets. I just waste the rest of the minute reading what precious little I can. 19. That is an excellent roll, my friend. Yes, I had a positive for my perception checks. Looking at this bookcase, you see that there are a lot of titles that have things that would seem like they might have been helpful to create something out of the beakers. You have, like, basic alchemy. You have step-by-step instructions on tinctures and herbal remedies, things like that. So I find out I could have actually made three bombs instead of one? (laughs) Well, maybe, if you had spent time looking at these, but since you're just generally observing what is there on the shelf and around it, you notice that there is actually an imprint on the side of the bookcase that is the exact same shape, just in reverse, as the medallion. As the medallion. We're gonna connect the dots here. Light bulb. Yes. I'm gonna place the medallion in the slot. I don't know if it turns or anything, but we're gonna see what it does. As you do so, you hear a click, and the bookcase swings free. Aha! Abe, you have just cleared the clearing, but there's another nest ahead of you. This one has a swamp hawk sitting in the nest. I cast create bonfire on the nest. (laughs) All right. Um, Directly on the swamp hawk. Okay. And then you're going to have to make a dexterity saving throw because if you want to make it across this bonfire without getting injured yourself, 
you'll need to figure out a way to get around it. You may also want to note that there is a fork that you can take to your left. Hmm. Does the fork just lead, like, around the nest and, like, keep on going? The fork to your left leads back to the ground. Hmm. 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 I mean, I guess I got to get down to the ground at some point anyways. I'll take the fork. You still casting bonfire? Yeah, fuck it. (laughs) All right, go ahead and describe it for me. All right, I cast great bonfire and just a big old bonfire roasting marshmallows in the woods kind of flame explodes from underneath this bird. Torches his nest, fuck him, (laughs) and singes his ass. Nice. Nice execution. And then I just keep running like nothing happened. (laughs) Okay. Um, The the bird immediately, all the feathers come out and it turns into a giant cartoonish rotisserie chicken. Just straight out of Mulan, roasted the hawk? Yes. Perfect. And you go spiraling down these uh, branches that are leading back towards the ground. I like the idea of the rotisserie style chicken cartoonish. When I see that happen, I find some mutton, raise it in the air, just start eating it. And the goblins cheer as well. Tiefling! So what's this Jet (laughs) Jet C behind said bookcase door? Alright, Jet. When you swing this bookcase free, you see a keyhole. I use my question mark key. Okay. Forgot you had that. Which means that it's not the right key. (laughs) But it could work. So, when you use your question mark key, you roll a d100, correct? To be completely honest, I gotta look this up real quick. We're rolling a lot of d100s tonight. Yeah, it has a 10% chance of working in any lock, and if you successfully open the lock with the key, it will disappear. So you'll have to roll a d100, I want you to roll them one at a time, that way we can make sure that you don't switch the numbers. It'll be 10s first then the ones, and if you get a 10 or lower, you successfully open the lock. And is that just like a 10-sided die twice? Yep. Or two 10-sided dies. Alrighty. So the first one, 7. Well, since you did not roll below a 10, it's not gonna work. Fuck you, Paul. Mm. What about using my lock-picking ring? You'll be able to do that next turn. Alright, we are up to round 7. Ben, do you really think you have a way out of this? Yes. Yeah. As I'll be honest, I didn't quite listen to every single one of your turns, but from the beginning, I had a very good plan. So, hmm. I think it would still work. Okay. Abe. Yes? This turn, nothing much happens, but you are being very observant about where you will wind up next. And you can see that there is a canal that stretches perpendicular to the path ahead of you. You're back on the ground. And that will be coming up in your next turn. You don't see any other fork going around it. So you'll have to decide if you want to go down and up again. If you want to try and jump it, it is 15 feet across. Well, I mean, I got a jump of 27, so that's... (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's canon. Nope. It's not canon if I didn't know what was happening. I just don't know how if you're so, you're such a knowledgeable dungeon master. I was not aware of this. So the jump didn't happen. 
coolest part about this entire fucking episode didn't ha happen because of a technicality. <laughs> it definitely happened. <laughs> well, I don't know. At this point, the coolest part might be, well, for you anyways, is the fact that you cast message at like triple the distance that you should. Because that's what everybody listens for, to listen to him cast message. Where I can say five words, my first, my first three were Abe, fuck shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked. It did. And now you just hear a nice purple man chant going on. Purple man. Purple man. <laughs> oh, you've started it now for purple man. Yeah, I heard him I heard him chanting tiefling, so I, I want to change it up. Here's what I'm going to start doing. Every turn now, I'm going to change the chant. Okay, and now it's purple man. Purple man. Yep, and now it's on purple man. Okay. Ambionitis, are you helping out and like doing like cheerleader and putting up the uh, parts of the chant that they're supposed to be doing? Oh, we are absolutely losing our goddamn mind with prestigious and yeah, we are shooting fireworks, putting the words in the sky, and making kabooms. Very nicely done. Jet. Alrighty. Um... I guess is there a key in any of the books is what I'm going to try to look for. All right, in that case, I'm going to need an investigation check from you. Because there's not much else in this room besides these few things, and I haven't found a key yet. Is there still that thing hanging from the ceiling? It's like 70 feet in the air, and it's just a clear glass box, from my understanding. It's a glass case. Okay, is there anything in the glass case? There's a solid bottom to it, so you can't see. You know, I think if uh, Paul was to put a suspending glass case 70 feet in the air might have something to do with getting you out of the broom. That will be my hint to give you now. <laughs> you didn't pick up. When it comes to your last turn, we'll see if I can hold back, uh, helping you or not, <laughs> about how to obtain said glass case because, again, I think I, I actually can think of multiple ways you can go about this. Just run up the wall? I, I, I will let you figure this out for yourself. Well, yeah, because I'm in a timed event. So, I got the pressure running for me. So, you do note that if you did run up the wall, it's it's not entirely clear based on the rules as written in the uh, player's handbook if you can run across ceilings. It doesn't say ceilings, it says on walls or across water. So, my thinking would be that it's almost like you're doing parkour and you're just moving at such a such an incredible speed with such dexterous footing which is why you're allowed to run up walls so in this case I wouldn't allow you to just straight up run across the ceiling but you could with some acrobatics check you might be able to run up the wall and kind of like balance yourself off the wall push off the ceiling and maybe reach the glass case and then as a monk do you have some sort of slow fall type shit or feather fall or anything like that I don't, um, I think I can. I didn't know if that was on there, too. However... You know, that I do believe I have something like that. 70 feet of falling damage would not kill you either at this point, so... Yeah, that's 76. And you'd be totally fine from that. No, I do have slow fall. Which I think halves it or something. Regardless, this is kind of unwrapping my plan to walk up the fucking wall. I didn't know ceiling walking didn't work, but... That was my thing, is you can just walk up the wall, 
Go above it. Slow fall your happy ass down. Grab said box on way down. And you have obtained it from step one. So it's... The monk isn't like a feather fall. Feather fall is... It reduces the speed at which you fall. With a monk, it's not feather fall. It's slow fall. So it's more of like a... When a cat always lands on its feet sort of thing. It's not reducing the speed when you fall, but it's just making you fall more slow, if that makes sense. (laughs) It's actually increasing the lack of speed. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just reiterate real quick for you, just so that you have a complete layout of the room again. You have the desk with the one drawer. Yeah. You had the lettered tiles. Yeah. You have the tinkerer's table with the beakers and flasks and tinkerer's tools. Which I use. You have the door, and you also have the oculus in the ceiling, which has a suspended glass case approximately 70 feet above you. All right, I still... Oh, and then the bookcase, which has swung open, and behind it is a keyhole. You know what? Yeah, I think my next bet's going to be to try to get that glass case, so... You would need a successful acrobatics check in order to successfully run up the wall, parkour off of it and the ceiling to a position where you could grab this case. Alrighty, let's try it. 17. That's not going to do it. The distance from the wall to this case is too much for you to overcome, and so you try to reach for it, and you just didn't push off the wall quite well enough to twist your body and grab this case. You do fall down. And you are going to take slow fall. Use your shadow thing to warp to the shadow directly below the solid bottom of the box. <laughs> Is it hanging from something specifically? Is there like a chain or a rope? Yeah, it's hanging from a chain. Or if you have magic, like Firebolt, just fucking spark it. Turn yourself into a rocket ship with Firebolt. A metal chain? No, I thought he said rope. Shoot an arrow at it. I don't know. You're going to take 35 damage is the total. Damn. Hmm. Yeah, I rolled four sixes and two fives or something like that. Two fives, three sixes, a three, and a four. So am I able to use my slow fall there? This is I use a reaction while falling to reduce my falling damage by five times my monk level. So that's five times nine, 45? Yes. You take no damage. Get fucked, Paul Camper. And that is the end of this turn. A quick shoot and arrow. No, it's fine. It is a chain, remember. Mm-hmm. Abe, you are coming up quickly on this canal. All right, so I hop it with my 27-foot jump. You don't have a 27-foot jump. All right, what were the rules on jumping again? With at least 10 feet of movement before you jump, which you have, uh, you can go your strength score. What if it's 240 feet of movement in six seconds? you can jump your strength score. So, this canal, is it like, how like far down is it? And like, how much of a slope is it? Like, could I just easily- This one is only 20 feet down. So I can just run down the side and run up the other side? Like, no problem? You can't do that, uh, but with a successful athletics check, I would allow you to take half damage on the jump down. Can I- summon my pike and pole vault the distance. Yeah, I will allow it with a successful athletics check. And then you hear the ringing in the back of your head. Abe, fuck shit, invisible branches. (laughs) 
I run across the invisible branches. You don't notice any invisible branches growing across the canal. You don't see that shimmer. Run on AO. Don't be a bitch, just run on the AO. Smart. Alright, it's gonna be a 14. The DC was a 15. Hmm, the DC you just decided just now after I said 14. Get wrecked. So you try to pole vault, and instead you miss the end by just a little I cast bit. cast Unseen Servant just below me, and I Mario bounce off of him. <laughs> <laughs> you fall into the canal. Damn it. Strong play, I would have said. <laughs> and you're going to take five damage from the fall. Uh, that's, that's not so bad. But as you were leaping across and you got yourself some air, you do notice that you are, you can see the end of this trail. You can see a metal door off in the distance sticking up out of the ground with a large lever. Jet, what is your next move? So if I were to cast a minor illusion, would I be able to make like a reflective surface to see what's in this glass case? Because the way I'm looking at it, I got one explosive and I can either chuck it at this glass case and get that or blow open the door that I can't figure, like there's no keyhole. I'm not going to waste it on the door with a keyhole because I just haven't found the freaking key yet. There's no, it's not a door, it's just a keyhole behind the bookcase. I still haven't found the key. Did you ever open the desk? Yeah, I got the medallion that opened the bookcase. Did you check the other drawers? There was only one drawer. Uh-uh. Right? Yes. Yeah. Um, you can create a mirror with minor illusion if you so choose. Hmm. Is it worth it? Well, you're the intelligent one. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to chuck the explosive at the cage thing. At the cage? Yeah, I'm going to try to blow it off the chain, and I'm going to get whatever's inside it. If there's a, God, I hope there's something inside that. It's a piece of paper that says exactly how to get out. But it's just a metal cage. Alright, I need you to make a ranged attack. Natural 20. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Go ahead and paint me a picture. Alrighty, so I was able to see that I was a little off the first time, so I'm still going to run up the wall a little bit. And I'm going to you know, use my teeth to uncork it. And then just as I can see, like, over where the chain's at, I'm going to just whip it up there. So I'm going to be hitting the top of the chain so I'm not actually, like, exploding the case in case there's something inside of it. But that's how I explode the case. As you bounce off the wall, uncork it, toss it up at the chain, it explodes in this oculus. And you realize that if you had tried to explode this anywhere else in the room, it would have rebounded and caused some damage to you, but because it's in this small area, you are safe from the explosive force and this case and chain are shattered, and it falls straight into your outstretched hands as you land directly below it. And you can see that on the casing bottom there is a key. I go, ha 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 and I get the key. Quick, jam it in the keyhole before you jam it in the keyhole. (laughs) Not yet. Abe, you have 12 seconds left. Oh, shit. You are at the bottom of this canal. I haul some serious ass up the canal. All right, I need an athletics check to get up and moving. 15. You are up, out of the canal, 
and you are moving, you reach this door. Jet. And Jane, the key in the keyhole. You put the key in that keyhole behind the bookcase. You hear a bunch of gears start grinding and groaning in the walls. And suddenly, there is a loud thunk in the door behind you. I now open the lever to the door behind me. You open that lever and you see another door. This one has a single-handled lever. Pull the lever. <laughs> Wrong. Wrong lever. Wrong lever. <laughs> Abe, you're at the door. Like, I'm, I'm already there? Yes, you come up on the door. You are huffing and puffing. And you can hear Gublio saying, Six. Five. I flick him off and I throw the lever. And Jets, you can hear Gublio counting down as well from a great distance away. Okay, I, um... I wasn't told that this was like a timed thing, but I'm still going to try to be flicking this lever. You pull the lever. Abe pulls the lever. And there are two clicks. And the door swings free. What do I see? Is that Abe? Is Abe on the other side of the door? Abe is on the other side of the door. Abe, oh my god, you found me. What's with this saw nonsense going on here? I just ran so fucking fast. I think I just did the intelligence challenge. Abe, as you say that to Jet, you fall, you collapse rather, in front of him. And you can't move. (laughs) Abe? What? Abe? What? Abe! What the fuck? I guess you just did run pretty fast. Remember what haste does? Yeah, you got a minute and then you're like, you can't move for a turn. Oh, like I'm legit paralyzed? <laughs> For You're, six seconds. You are so lethargic and fatigued that you literally cannot move. Oh, okay. That's not so bad, though. You gotta elevate your legs so the acid starts to... Alright, I guess I want to be like... <gasps> <gasps> just like dying. As he, <laughs> as he falls, I'm going to catch him in my arms and I'm going to just walk away carrying him princess style. That is so... I'm just like dripping in sweat. <laughs> And as you're walking towards the goblins, it's all deathly silent. Then I raise him above my head and spike him like a football. (laughs) (laughs) Go, yes! And the goblins cheer. It's deathly silent, and you hear the chant that I had started up as you're (laughs) walking back. Fuck you. Big dick Abe. Big dick Abe. Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) This reinvigorates me, and I stand up. Pause. Good as new. <laughs> At this point, I would not be putting Big Dick Abe in the sky. <laughs> there would be no kabooming or fireworks going on. <laughs> I guess Ambionitis does not approve of the Big Dick Abe chant. Big Dick, no, I will never in public <laughs> say Big Dick Abe in a affirmative tone. No. There's just everything about what you just said. <laughs> Is just no. Oh, I'm still doing it. <laughs> is he the only one doing it? Or Some of the other goblins have picked up the champ, but not all of them. Most of them are just cheering, and you hear some. There's still fucking roosters here. Why are there roosters in this place? Jet is so confused. I wish one of you guys would get the reference that this whole thing is based around. Oh. But, Is it math? Yeah, no, I don't get it. Uh, as you're approaching, uh, Gublio is nodding his head, and he's shaking it, nodding it. He seems to be disappointed, but also incredibly impressed. 
He just looks at you and says, Wow. <laughs> well, then he has a stroke and dies. We just took his job, so... Looks like your treasure is ours, Gublio. He looks at Jet and Abe, and then he points at Brixius and Ambionis and says, You can fight. He points at Abe and says, You can fly. And then he points at Jet and he says, And you can... And then Bishmuck jumps up and goes, Will you shut the <laughs> fuck up? What the hell? Something he, needs to be explained. Then he points at Prothean and says, You showed up. Participation <laughs> oh, trophy oh, for being on the team. Damn. He says, I'm a goblin of my word. You each will get your choice of treasure from my collection. I want the black diamond. And Penchak suddenly comes running around from a spot where he was hidden by the door and says, Gublio, you said that we wouldn't let them win. You said that I would be the one to win. Oh, looks like someone's getting crusaded. Gublio looks down at Penchak and says, They won fair and square. It's not my fault if somebody strong comes along. But you, Penchak, are not strong. And you will never win. Yeah, nerd. Tried to fix it. He just died in your arms tonight. Fucking nerd. Penchak at that point gets an evil scowl on his face. Prothean, get him. Yeah, I think Prothean needs to give this nerd a swirly. Oh, how far away is he? (laughs) Fucking nerd. 30 feet from you. Fucking get him. And he says, death to the intruders. And he pulls out a knife and leaps at Jet. I cast Missy Step and get him between him. And grab him by the throat. Ah, oh, yes. I'm assuming I could just pick him up because like five pounds compared to me. Just fucking choke slam him. That's exactly what so, I'm doing. Yes. Oh, I can I can picture <laughs> mid leap. Oh man. Him missy stepping, catching him by the throat, and then using inflict wounds, and him just mm. dying as he's holding him in his hand. Can I do that, Paul? Ooh, you may do that. Or I fucking love it. Oh, <laughs> I was gonna say at the point that he jumps, I was gonna say. He is technically considered a projectile, yes? <laughs> no! <laughs> he cannot change his course or velocity from the point he leaves the ground. Sounds Wait. like a projectile to me. Yeah, me wolf damage. You're going <laughs> to kill him. Damn it. Tell me what it looks like. Just paint the picture for me. When he's charging at Jet, I do a misty step directly in front of him with my hand out, so he runs directly into my hand. I pick him up into the air while casting Inflict Wound, and he just basically just dies. And I just toss him behind me. What does it look like? What is What happens to his body when you inflict these wounds? You can see a massive surge of pain just go through his entire body, then he just screams and dies violently while I'm tossing him backwards. So you don't want me to put my warhammer down and you choke slam his head onto it. Oh, you can, tell, you can put the warhammer down after I toss him. Like, I'm tossing him at you. Baseball him! Oh, at that point, I'd probably just take a giant old hack at his cranium. Do it. And I th- while I'm picking him up and behind me, just tossing him over at Ambionitis and Buxius so I can just baseball him. Uh, yeah, I would definitely, in one swift motion, warhammer his, uh, his cranium as hard as I possibly could. And then, <laughs> and then after he is hit like a baseball, is he a projectile at that point? I would hope so. Yes. 
Send it, <laughs> send it back Wait to me. Wait a second. <laughs> send it back to me. Let me have another swing at him. I'm going to... Well, I guess I, I can... Basically, what it would have to do is it would have to do a certain amount of damage to me for, like, the projectile hitting me, and I reduce it. If I reduce it to zero, I catch and deflect it. I would say he's a dead projectile. <laughs> and... Alright, Paul, how much damage does that do to me? It would do five. Okay, hold on. I gotta see what I gotta <laughs> roll to do this. And if you can, send it to me. And I'm gonna re-baseball swing him. And hit him over to me. <laughs> yes. This all goes as planned. At what point is this a hate crime? <laughs> oh, here it is. Okay. So, reaction to reduce damage by 1d10 plus dexterity plus monk level. So that's already over 5. So I'm just going to catch him and deflect him over to Brixius. <laughs> like I'd a like volleyball to. set. And as it's coming set up, instead of doing like a home run baseball swing... Just spike him. <laughs> no, I gotta get it up in the air so Abe can get to it. So, instead of doing a spike down into the ground, I want to be kind of twirling, uh, twirling my war, war hammer already, like, uh, people who are in band who twirl the batons, or what, what are they called? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh -oh. So I'm doing that, and instead of doing a hard downward swing to spike it into the ground, I'm gonna do a hard upward swing. To hopefully get it about 20, 30 feet in the air as a small body. So like a really, really high set. And when I do it, I'm going to say Abe's name like I am setting him the ball. <laughs> like, Abe! <laughs> Actually, do I know that he's already a corpse by the time that <laughs> oh, I volleyball yes. set him? <laughs> it's our, everything's canon already. I honestly feel like <laughs> I would respect life a little bit and not <laughs> keep this going. <laughs> All right, so you got a real high <laughs> goblin. It's about twenty to thirty feet in the air, I'd say. All right, as he's as he's coming down, I want to summon my pike, so I have it just pointing straight up. And then when he's about fifteen feet above me, I'm gonna use lightning lightning lure to grab him by the ankles and just yank him straight down onto the pike. That's oh. me, yoink him, <laughs> yoink him directly onto the pike. Lengthwise. Right through his rectum, nice. Rectum? I barely knew him. No, right through his gooch. Right through his gooch, yes. and I stand up and say, Gooch? This has all been a demonstration. <laughs> for the hammer gooch. Right through the gleesgorm. The goblins have been whipped up into a frenzy, all except Bishmuck, who is looking at all of this and says, Who's like, that's my cousin. This is kind of tragic. <laughs> <laughs> Little punk thought he could outdo us. <laughs> and Gublio kind of pats you on the back and says, let's go to my treasure room. <laughs> we just murdered him. He's like, uh, whatever. <laughs> He's like, all right, all right, that's fine. <laughs> Way to go, partner in crime. Uh, you got my... Yeah. I want that black diamond. Fuck them kids. <laughs> and that's where we're going to end our episode. <laughs> Diamond. Get wrecked. Gublio, did you say that we had the pick of any of the treasures that we want? Well, the real treasures are the friends we make along the way. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> well, I already... So I'm going to be taking your friends. Well... <laughs> <laughs> I already said in a previous episode, uh, I called Bitch Mac, so... <laughs> well... I like the fact that we just murdered the fuck out of that guy. <laughs>
Yeah, I don't know. How many times over did he die? Five. Yeah. I think each of us would have killed him with our individual attacks. <laughs> yeah, and next week, uh, we'll see what is all in the treasure room for you guys. My black diamond. Perhaps. No, it's there. Well, I know it's there. Perhaps it will be yours. You know what is yours, though? Some wonderful reviews. We have reviews from our listeners. Thank you so much for those of you that have gone on to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher. Sorry, iTunes doesn't exist anymore. Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, and left us a five-star rating and review. Ben, do you happen to have those handy? I am looking on the app right now. A review on Apple Podcasts from Brew Wayne. B-R-U-E Wayne. Titled D&D. Five stars. It's comedic. It's fantasy. It's a good time. That's it. Actually, I see two more after that one. And there's there's a handful more. Bishmack wanted to show us a good time. And it seems like we are also showing our fans a good time. There we go. <laughs> Thank you, Bruce Wayne, without the C. If you would like to keep in touch with us between episodes and outside of the reviews, if you've already left one, hit us up on Twitter at Death Saving Bros. You can also follow me personally at HB Camper. You can follow me at Benfro15. You can follow Jet at Ama underscore B underscore Rad. You can fuck off and let me watch this goddamn lava lamps. This thing is tripping balls. Yeah, and you don't have to worry about following me because I'm right outside your window right now. And you can find me on the PlayStation Network as F-A-T-T-Smith. And those of you that are listening in your cars, in your homes, or wherever you may be, keep saving those death throws, and we'll see you on the next one. Some of the sounds and background music in this production are copyright material. The songs Autumn on the Ramparts, Autumn on the Ramparts Combat, Blinka's Temper, Dual Compulsion, Dual Compulsion Ambient, No Laughing Matter, Permafrost Wasteland, Ritual Deep Dark and Wet, Ritual Deep Dark and Wet Bass and Percussion, Shadow Puppets, The Shivering War, With Garners Full of Grain, and Vonadale Dawn are copyright Will Savino and the Music D20 Project. These tracks are used with permission, all rights reserved. The Death Saving Bros theme song is an abridged version of the song Run by Kai Angle and sourced from the Free Music Archive. This track is used with permission under Creative Commons Attribution License 4.0. You can read the full license at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0 slash legal code.